Welcome to History and Film. I'm Rich Simmons. We would like to get into some listener feedback this season, so if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything even tangentially related to the podcast, you can send an email to Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S, at tracknerds.com, or hit me up on Twitter, where my handle is, at tracknerds. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. So the scene inside this week does fit into our timeline here in the late 90s. But honestly, this is a story that, historically speaking, could have kind of taken place at any point. And I did want to include it just as kind of a look at the issue of right to life or more specifically, I guess, sorry, right to die. So it does focus on a true story of this guy who was injured in what his early 20s or mid 20s and kind of breaks his neck while he's diving into shallow water spends is it seriously like 20 years that he's been like this when we meet him in the movie yeah i think it's like 26 or 27 years by the time the movie's over right and so he's completely quadriplegic he has some movement with his mouth so they give him like a little stick and he can kind of he can talk which is nice but Mm -hmm. then other stuff he can like he can like adjust his settings in his bed with little mouth control and stuff like that but other than that he's completely relying on everybody else for all his needs and he's gotten to the point where he would like to end his life, but he can't, since all he can do is move his head a little bit and his mouth, he's not even capable of killing himself, so he would need right. assistance, and that's kind of what the whole movie is. This is set in Spain, where it's illegal, and actually, we'll get to the details, it's actually still illegal in most of the world, it seems like, for even assisted suicide. Assisted suicide is, yeah. yeah. Which, and I, I don't... Uh... Did you did you look into the actual true story? Like, how similar is it to? I just know that it, that it's based on a true story, but I don't know how much of the movie is is accurate. Or how much of the movie, it, you know, how much it follows, or if it's just the basic premise of the yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna guess it feels pretty close, but it's also such a small story that you go to like again the Wikipedia page here for the guy who Javier Bardem plays, and it's. It's a very short page. It's just there, here's a guy who's in the situation. So I'm going to say that that is all correct. And the method of suicide that he ultimately does uh, succeed with does seem to be correct. But as far as the details of the characters we meet there, it's, it's honestly not even public information where we would know the details about this family life. Okay. And, and the book that he writes in the movie, that's real. But like it doesn't look like it's even available outside of Spanish language. So you can buy it on Amazon, but just in Spanish. It wasn't even, I mean, I don't know how good it is, but it wasn't popular enough to cross over to ever get published in English, even with this movie being, you know, 10 years old. Well, and even in the, in the movie, the the book is not, it's not like a biography. And I don't even think he's necessarily writing about, you know, wanting to kill himself. It's just a poetry book. Right. It's just like a book of his poems. Right. And that is what's on Amazon. It's kind of just a, a book of his poetry. Which is still neat that he was able to get this written while he yeah. was quadriplegic, obviously with the help of yeah. others. And it's still just kind of neat to be able to produce that. But yes, then ultimately he convinces, he recruits the one girl to in the movie. And again, I don't know about the details of who specifically helped him in real life, but it was kind of this collection of friends and family. Mm-hmm. It is interesting in the film. So the character that ultimately helps him, actually, I got, I got, I got confused already. So was it the Rosa or actually it was the other girl that helped, ended up helping him, right? Or did it, was, did it end up being Rosa? He asked multiple people, and they all kind of had different feelings about it. And so I forget who ultimately helped him in in the end. Well, it was Rosa, right? Is Rosa the Rosa was the girl that worked that worked in the factory and had the yes, kids? Yes, who kind of just met him as like almost a fan kind of thing, right? Because she initially 
went to go talk to him to try and because she heard him on or saw him on the TV. Right. And went to his house to try and convince him that he like, you know, had stuff to live for. And he basically kind of shut her down and said, you didn't come here to try and save me. You only came here to try and give your life purpose. You don't actually care about me right. or, or want to want me to change my mind. But they, I mean, that's just their first meeting. They end up becoming like good friends. And then she eventually comes around and says, well, I do love you. I do care about you. And because of that, I understand that this is what you want. And so I, I will. I think that they, they don't explicitly show it, but I think that she does end up helping. Because he says, you know, I have like either needed four people or he already had four people. But he, he needed one more to help him with his, with his plan because he had like this whole like process that he was going to use to where it was like multiple people helping him to where no one person was doing anything that was technically illegal. But by the end of the process, it ends up with a glass of cyanide poison next to his bed with a straw on it that's next to his mouth. Right. And I'm, I'm looking on his on the actual real life guy's Wikipedia page. So it does say a close friend named Ramona was arrested. So obviously that makes you think then the people in the movie are more of amalgamations because there was no Ramona in the movie. Um, but, right. So she was arrested and charged with assisting his suicide. But because of so what they showed in the movie with him dividing all the tasks up so that no one person had done anything illegal enough to be in trouble, that's what actually happened. So it, it, they divided each step up enough. So uh, the girl that was arrested ended up getting released for lack of evidence and then there were no other, other charges ever filed. So his kind of way to skirt the legal system did ultimately work because the idea is okay, well, yes, if someone prepares a poison for me and sets it next to me and I drink it, they definitely could be charged with assisted suicide. Oh, but if one person pours the drink and just it's just right. water, I pour a drink of water, someone else right. happens to put something in, something that's on the counter in the kitchen, well, that's a different person. That's all they did. Right. That wasn't intended for anybody. I thought it was going to go down the drain. And the next person brings a cup. They can say they don't know what's in it and set it next to you. And so you can kind of divide it up right. so no one person is guilty of helping you and that's ultimately how he was able to pull it off and we've kind of jumped through the whole movie very quickly but we knew that was going to happen because this is just a super small story but it is about a topic i kind of wanted to address yeah and, and we kind of may just talk more about that well so b before we get to that one thing that i did like that they made very clear in the movie is is multiple times they address you know people are like well how can you say that you know people that are quadriplegic don't deserve to live and he says well that's not what i'm saying at all if even when he's talking to the priest he says if you if you want to have the wheelchair and you want to live your life and you're fine with living your life that way that's fine like i'm not making a blanket statement about all quadriplegics i don't want to live this way right and i am not able to end my life by myself so i want i should have the legal right to be assisted in that He's not saying that oh, being quadriplegic is is so is so bad that you know no one should have to live with it. That's not what he's saying at all. He just he doesn't want to keep living that way. Right, and it, honestly, it kind of ties into our episode on abortion when you think about bodily autonomy. Yes, and it's it's a tricky thing because it seems like most people do support it if someone is terminally ill or in a quadriplegic state, but it does become you know, arguably more of a slippery slope. If it's someone who's just dealing with depression, we kind of do want to make sure that it's stopped and we're actually treating the problems as opposed to, you know, finding ways to allow them to die. And it is kind of maybe a little more problematic when 
society writ large doesn't feel it's quote unquote justified. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a tricky topic. Right. But at, at the same time, like if I don't know, I, I think that that suicide and mental illness or even, you know, I'm saying mental illness. I, well, I you, think you that can count depression you know, as a mental illness. Wanting, right. But but wanting wanting to die, is it's like people automatically say, well, that means that you are you're insane. It means that you, you know, have a mental illness. It means that, you know, it's just gotten so it's so medical. Like society in general does not consider suicide to be a rational response to anything. I would agree with that. Even if there are people who can, in a rational way, you know, might not necessarily be mentally ill, quote unquote, you know, say that they just don't want to keep living. And should they have that right or should society stop them and it is tricky though because i'm i mean i have guess i haven't you know crunched the numbers on this but i guess my understanding is that it's way more suicides or attempted suicides are not from just people who are circumstantially in hard times they literally have a you know a chemical imbalance in their brain that could be addressed with medication so i'm not saying that yeah i guess you're right they should have the right to but at the same time shouldn't society be able to step in and get them the the help they need to where that feeling goes away if possible sure yeah not so which doesn't take away their rights it's just basically trying to help them find another solution that hopefully would be acceptable to them were they to undertake it right but yes i, I ultimately am kind of you know people should be free to do what they would like even if that means ending right. their life but just you would hope that it's a last resort because once you go that route there is no coming back and so you want them to have had every opportunity and that's where i think you would hope society would step up is to provide those opportunities and you get into the whole making sure we destigmatize mental health issues as far as getting help for them and talking about them yeah. and i think that's an important thing and also just provide better care you know it, it's not illegal to kill yourself it's not illegal to want to kill yourself but if you express those ideations then you can be, you know, petitioned to have your freedom taken away where you are picked up, not necessarily arrested, but you have your freedom taken away from you and you're sent to a psych ward that may or may not have the best quality of care. And then it's almost like it's almost like, well, now you're punishing someone rather than trying to help them. It's almost like you're saying, well, you know, if you have this if you have these, you know, suicidal ideations, you're going to have to go to this state run mental health facility. And then it's more like you're using that as a deterrent, like you're using the threat of punishment mm. rather than you're actually trying to help people. And not that I have a solution for that. No, you know, right. but that's just And uh, I like to hope we've moved on and that makes me think of like one flew or the cuckoo's nest or something. And I hope we've moved on from that. But yeah, probably I'm thinking that more naively. And, and it's a resource thing. It's, you know, we, as a society, we don't throw enough resources toward those kinds of things. And I think it's getting better, but it's definitely not where it could be or should be. Right. The other issue I wanted to talk about, and I brought it up to you before, was the, the Terry Shivo. Uh, yeah, Terry Shivo. Yeah, Terry Shivo yeah. case. And I was, you know, peripherally familiar with this just from it being kind of in, in the news about 15 years ago. But I didn't realize how long she was in a essentially vegetative state. It was like 15 years. Yes, 15 yeah. years. And that that case is a little different from this one. Correct, because um, she wasn't conscious. Right. She wasn't she wasn't conscious and she she there was no living will like she you know, she didn't have a living will saying, you know, if I am brain dead, you know, I, I don't want to continue living. 
basically it was a legal battle between her husband who said, no, she told me that this is what, you know, she didn't want to live this way. And her family said, well, we want her to keep living. We don't want to remove her feeding tube. And so it was, you know, kind of a legal battle between the two of them. Right. That ultimately took 15 years to get resolved before they allowed the feeding tube. The, you had to get court orders allowing the feeding tube to be removed and right. then that she could die. But again, she was basically not conscious of any of this for 15 years. And it was like it was like it was removed and then put back That's like, true. at right. least once. Right. Um, right. Where, you know, a, a court would say, all right, you know, you can you know, you're allowed to remove the feeding tube. And then, uh, you know, a, uh, another quarter, there was a law passed. So they said, no, we, you know, you got to put it back. You know, that's not where that's sad in a whole different way is because it's still kind of a right to die issue. But she has no idea what's going on. And so it's like right. it's almost even like how are we even defining life? How is Terry Shivo even alive for those last 15 years? Well, and there was a, there was again a, a lot of uh, controversy because her family, like her parents and her her siblings, were you know releasing videos to the news media that they were saying, well, this is evident. You know, look at her; she's reacting to mm. whatever. Like her mother talking to her, listening to music, or and so you know you, you can see she is conscious at least to a degree. And uh, apparently, the the videos were very uh, misleading, and it was more of uh, reflex actions going on than actual consciousness because then when she died and had her an autopsy was done you know an examination of her brain did show that she was there was no way that she was could have been conscious at all and that there was no way that she was ever going to recover which those are kind of separate things you know the the not going to recover like i i think that her family would probably say well that didn't matter you know that it didn't matter whether she was going to recover or not we still wanted you know to keep her alive but she was not aware of any of what was going on for those 15 years it is interesting though too i remember hearing and i I didn't have this pulled up but i remember hearing of a case a few years back of a person who was in a extended extended coma like years and was actually conscious but catatonic like they were aware of people coming in and out of the room and people talking to them but they just couldn't give any signal at all they couldn't blink they couldn't and it's just like so everyone yeah. thought they were completely in a coma and they were actually conscious and unable to do anything about it and like talk about a nightmare there. And that's almost one. And I guess like, obviously the only reason we know about it is they must have ultimately come out of it and, and said like, no, I knew exactly what was going on the whole time. Right. That's a whole, whole different kind of nightmare. And that's, you know, it's kind of a interesting thing that, you know, with now better technology, there there are laws, you know, that, that kind of describe what a person's, you know, how a person medically meets the threshold for being in a in a quote unquote vegetative state, mm. but even people who are in a what would be legally defined as a vegetative state, they are now able to show with like certain medical imaging technology. Some of them still harbor at least a little bit of consciousness, so they'll put people in you know in a brain scanner and ask them questions or ask them to imagine doing certain things like playing a sport or, you know, walking around their house or something. And and they'll see like coordination centers in the brain, you know, activate or, you know, uh, spatial navigation centers will activate showing that they are at least able to like get input and then activate centers of the brain. Like they're thinking about it, even even if they are you know, physically unable to do anything. Right. Or not even conscious of it. It's still the brain at some level is reacting to the stimulus. Right. And and again, it's it's 
you know, despite the movie and it, it kind of, you know, you know, definitely, you know, tugs at the heartstring and you're, you're, it takes, it's this weird thing where you're, I guess you're rooting for the guy to die in a sense because that's what he wants. But at the same time, you kind of maybe do hope he would change his mind because the fact that he can communicate, you're hoping that he would kind of like Rosa throughout the movie is hoping he will come around and be okay with just being able to interact through talking and right. you can still have that mental and intellectual engagement with people for the rest of your natural life. But yes, it it is still largely illegal. There are a handful of countries in Europe where it is now allowed, and there's only seven or eight states in the U.S. and plus D.C. that allow it, and it is illegal then in, you know, 40-some states still in the United States. So this is still a controversial thing that's largely not allowed, and it's tricky, and I think still, I don't know, I guess it's probably something that no politician is going to want to advocate necessarily, so it's not like there's a big push for it. It's such a niche thing yeah. where talking about such a small population, obviously, that fits this criteria where they're basically terminally ill or med- and also then medically incapable of killing themselves. Right. I mean, I actually had a elderly great uncle, my dad's uncle, who I think had like emphysema and ended up killing himself 20 years ago. But again, that was so I didn't fall with any of these laws, though. He was able to take actions into his own own hands and sure his life that way. And yeah, I mean, it, it's sad. But again, when you're someone who's in constant pain, it's like, and actually, I watched a TED talk on YouTube about this very issue. And the guy talked about how we're totally okay with putting down beloved family pets, because it's the humane thing to do, because uh-huh. they're in pain. But then we don't treat humans with that same reverence, almost. And it's this insistence that life is always better. And I, I'm not even necessarily making, I mean, I guess I'm kind of implying that I'm making a judgment, but I, I, it's at least worth, it's a debate worth having that I feel like we don't talk about enough, even though most of us probably do err on the side of, oh, well, you know, they're, they're in a better place now, or they they don't feel any pain anymore, and, and we're okay because it's, for, it was for the best. We all seem to accept that, but the idea that then the medical establishment would help assist in that transition is still outlawed. It's just, it, I don't know, it's right. just kind of interesting where yeah. the laws don't necessarily match the public sentiment. Which, and, and I think that this highlights, you know, the necessity for people to get a living will. True. Because it had Terry Schiavo had a living will that said, this is what I want, then there would have been no question. There would have been no need for 15 years of debate and going back and forth and, correct. you know, lawmakers getting involved. Um, and actually in 2005 or in the early 2000s, you know, when, when they were at the end of Terry Schiavo's life and when it was like real big in the news, there was like a big increase nationwide of people getting living wills. Oh, okay. So that's, you know, that is one good thing that came out of that situation. But yeah, it's an it's important that you make your wishes known as to what you want to happen. You know, if God forbid you you end up incapacitated or in a vegetated state. Yeah. Now, of course, again, though, back to the whole see inside film that doesn't address the assisted suicide issue for someone who is just physically incapable of killing themselves. And that's why I think it's I I think that the I think the assisted suicide thing is an an easier discussion to have. Euthanasia is harder. You know, in the absence of a living will, what are you supposed to do? Because that you can't you don't know the person's wishes because you don't know the person's wishes. Right. And it's it's hard to balance between, well, should we, you know, do we end someone's life or do we let them keep on living, even if it's not a way that they would have wanted to live or, you know, if they're, you know, a, a burden on their family. I think there's a lot more gray area there than if it's assisted suicide and, you know, the person wants to end their life and they're just physically unable to do so. 
I think it's easier to argue that they should have the bodily autonomy to be able to do that if they want to. Right. Just because, you know, if they have that, you know, if they're able to communicate, if they're conscious and like our guy in the movie. Right. And then another tangential issue that comes to mind is I've heard the vast majority of doctors, like, you know, 90% of doctors or more are all like, oh, yeah, do not resuscitate me. Like they've just they've seen it all. They know it's just basically prolonging suffering. And so most doctors will even say like, yeah, don't even do CPR me. Just let it just if I'm at that state, just let me go. And I just thought yeah. it was kind of fascinating to to see that. I don't have that study in front of me, but I have heard that uh, multiple times. Uh, so the movie itself, this was uh, the Oscar winner for Best Foreign Language Film out of Spain for movies from 2004. And it was also nominated for Best Makeup. Javier Bardem was not that old at the time. And they aged him up in a way that did look yeah. very, uh, very realistic. He was probably the age of the younger version. And then, right. I was yeah. going to say in the in the scenes where where he's you know on the on the beach where that you know shows him diving like you know having the accident that ends right, up you right. know paralyzing him like that's that's what he actually looks like. Right. So when you see the, the difference, it's like whoa. He you know he looks like he's in his fifties or sixties. Right. Yeah, he would have been like thirty five, thirty six when when the movie yeah. was, was made. And I was curious just because you know I'm, the technical aspects of movie making always kind of intrigue me which i i didn't look into this very much but when they show him you know on the bed like without the blankets and stuff on and there's the kind of uh you know his body is you know his his limbs are have atrophied and everything i'm wondering how they achieved that because it's obviously not his real body but is right. that like is that is that makeup is that a like a dummy that his head is kind of behind is that cgi that's a good question because this obviously isn't a very high budget movie so you wouldn't think they would have especially in 2004 have a extensive budget to digitally atrophy him but at the same time man it almost seems hokey if it was like a a, a dummy body on top so i don't i don't know that's a, that's a good question I, I would say maybe it was just kind of mildly digitally edited at that time but i don't, yeah. I don't know for sure the film is an 84 percent on rotten tomatoes and What's interesting, too, is I was kind of confused because uh, the translation is actually a hair off. Did you notice that? So, like, when they when they show the title of the movie on screen, this is a Spanish film, it says Mar Adentro. Well, and that kind of means more out to sea. But I'm guessing they didn't want to keep that title because there was a 1997 comedy with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon called Out to Sea. And that's actually that's pretty common in these true, in like true. foreign films that, you know, the uh, especially with the title will not be a direct one to one. Which I get when things have a different connotation in different countries. But I feel like calling this out to sea, if it didn't call to mind that comedy would seem appropriate. But uh, the scene inside is a good title. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against the title, but but it's just not yeah. what it translates as. So the one other thing, just because we don't have another film addressing, say, capital punishment in, in our timeline, I wanted to maybe just reflect on that a little bit as we're kind of talking about what the government's role is when it comes to death of its citizens, whether assisted mm -hmm. suicide and the outlawing of, of that, or conversely, punishing criminals. So a movie I want to mention, we're not going to make it a full episode, and I don't know if you've even seen this movie, but... Dead Man Walking is kind of a, a really good movie when it comes to dealing with the role of capital punishment. Susan Saranda does play a real-life nun slash nurse who was meeting with a couple different death row inmates, and they kind of combined those two guys into one, played by Sean Penn for the film. 
And it is a really good movie. I would recommend to kind of peripherally ties into what we're talking about today. So I've never seen Dead Man Walking. What is the what is I mean, I know that it's it's a movie about the death penalty, more or less. But is she trying to get Sean Penn off of death row or what's? Um, so that kind of becomes maybe a little bit a part of it, but I think most, most, again, it's been actually a while since I've seen this movie, but mostly she's just trying to give these guys peace and and give them a spiritual presence while they're awaiting the death sentence to come through. And I think through talking to him, she does start to maybe think he might be innocent. And again, that's kind of an amalgamation of two different guys. And I guess, spoiler alert for a movie you haven't seen, but I also haven't seen in 15 years and don't necessarily remember with the best of detail, but kind of one of the scenes, uh, almost like the climax scene, is him finally confessing to her that he did it after she's kind of realized that maybe he's been putting her on and trying to maybe Uh get her to become an advocate for getting him off death row by convincing her that he's innocent when he obviously knows full well he did it, and him kind of breaking down and crying as she kind of calls him out for saying, like, you did this, didn't you? And he's, like, crying. He's like, yeah, I did. So, and and I think one of them won the Oscar. Yeah, Susan Sarandon won the Oscar for Best Actress, and Sean Penn was nominated. So it is, it's a really, really good movie, really powerful movie, does deal with the death penalty. And so I wanted to at least mention that as kind of being tangentially related to what we're talking about here today. Uh, I've been fervently anti-death penalty for basically my entire life. And it's because I don't see any justification for it from a few key factors. One, the way the process goes with all the court stuff that you have to go through to get someone on death row, it's more expensive to execute a prisoner than it is to keep them in prison for 50 years. So right off the bat, from a taxpayer dollar standpoint, you're actually saving money by not executing people. And this idea that the government has a role in giving the victims closure or or punishing them by this eye for eye kind of thing, I I, I just don't buy it. I think you remove them, you can put them in prison for life, but I think executing them is just not justified, especially when it comes to my final problem with it is we have, for a fact, in this country, executed innocent people. Yes. So if we've done that once, that's abolished the whole thing then because we can't do it right. If you, it's right. Just, there's no excuse for it. I used to be very pro-death penalty. And the reason was because of a kind of, uh, you know, you want to you see people punished in a way fitting for their crime. So if they kill someone or they do something, you know, some crime, especially heinous, then I would say that they deserve to die. Okay. And I still think that, and I mean, it, it makes perfect sense now thinking about this, but it, it didn't at the time, but you can, you can think both. You can think that yes. there are people who can commit crimes that 100% they deserve to die. And like, absolutely. They have, you know, they should be killed. They should be removed from the earth. They, they don't deserve to continue living. However, I don't think that the government should be allowed to say that this per you know, the, a government shouldn't be allowed to put its citizens to death for committing crimes. And that's a huge reason is because even with the advances in crime scene technology and the fact that, you know, we, with investigative techniques and forensic science, it's a lot easier to, you know, catch criminals now. And, and you know, it's a lot easier to know in a lot of cases whether or not someone has committed a crime. But just because we have better tools doesn't mean that they're not still being used by people and people are flawed and people make mistakes. And so if you, you know, because the, the justice system is, 
you know, in the end, it's, it's run by and made up of people, you end up uh, executing innocent people. And I think that that's right. just about the worst thing that a government can do. Right. So and 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 there's there's a ton of arguments too that you know that that people can make like well you know it's it's a deterrent it, but it's not the stats don't bear that out at all right there's actually no evidence to show that the death penalty deters criminals at all in states that have the death penalty versus states that don't there's no positive correlation to crime rates in countries where they've had the death penalty and then don't have the death penalty there's no corresponding increase in crime rates there like you said it is it's way more expensive, way more expensive to put someone on death row to execute them than it is to just, you know, to keep them in prison, which and that seems like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's just a money thing. Like, it's, it's not just a money thing, but it is a big thing. Right. And uh, what's interesting, too, is I think the reason it's not a deterrent is because the types of crimes that end up getting capital punishment are the kinds that are you you're going committing those crimes when you're in a mental state such that you do not care about anything else beyond the present moment. It's these crimes of passion, so to speak. Right. Most murderers aren't looking at, you know, a Oh shucks, I don't want to get caught and killed. Yeah. Looking at it from a rational point of view of, well, you know, I have a this many percent chance of getting caught and if that happens then you know like this is the these are the consequences so i should you know take a a while to to weigh whether or not i think that committing this crime is is it worth it is it not worth it like that's that's not how it works right and especially for how many people would life in prison be even a worse punishment than death anyway as far as just having your life now where i would say there are probably countries where the death penalty is a deterrent is in some of these Southeast Asian countries where basically drug possession carries with it a death penalty. Right. But then and people will make that argument, too. They'll say, well, you know, the the death penalty. Sure, it's it's not a deterrent in America because it's you know, it's so watered down. It takes years to get, you know, to get through all the appeals. And and even then, a lot of those people will get off or we don't allow even that many crimes to be punished by the death penalty anyway. And it's like, okay, well, then if you expand the death penalty and you make it more efficient, I guess, if, if, if that's the way you want to, you know, like back in the 1800s where you were convicted and then hung the next day, that might be more of a deterrent, but you also are then killing more innocent people. You're executing more innocent no, right, people. Like that's right. what the appeals and stuff are there for. So yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think that that, uh, I mean, that it, it would be more of a deterrent if you expand it to more crimes, but then to lesser you, crimes, right. But then you also are then executing more people. Well, and then it becomes a, you know, that, that's kind of cruel and unusual punishment. So, okay, so if someone's got a bag of right. weed, so you kill them. I mean, that's, that's not proportionate within the Constitution. And then actually, the, the last thought on this is there was a Star Trek episode where there's kind of this utopia planet that they come across where any infraction is the death penalty. And so it becomes this controversy when they're so they're visiting this planet. They don't fully understand that this is their custom. And Wesley's like chasing a ball and falls into some plants that were like roped off. You know, he killed some of the plants by falling in there chasing a ball. And mm-hmm. yep, then the police come around and they arrest him. It's like okay, well we got to go execute him now. And it becomes a whole thing. Well, we're not from your planet anyway. So it kind of becomes a whole other thing with you know. But it was interesting too that this planet basically credited their whole peaceful society with the fact that. Every infraction was basically instant death penalty so that everyone was always right. on their best behavior. But again, to what extent was that actually for the best and everything? But anyway, that's not really an argument I'm trying to promote, but it did, <laughs> it, 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 it did come to mind and kind of, I don't know, is related. 
yeah, I think that's probably all we need to talk about here as far as the government's role in death and from youth, euthanasia, assisted suicide to capital punishment. Again, not we're not talking about historical events this week, but it is stuff I felt was very much worth addressing if we're kind of doing a larger story of the human story. And these are kind of topics we haven't really necessarily focused on yet. So thanks for listening. Next week, we'll kind of deal once again with Afghanistan in the 2007 film The Kite Runner. <laughs>